It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Where does the Jazz's young core rank compared to the best young cores in the NBA? Find out next on Locked On Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into Locked on Jazz. Leaf Tulane with you here. Excited to be back with you for the last week of the summer and hopefully not the last time ever, but it's been an honor if it is. And you know me now. I'm a credentialed NBA draft analyst, attendee of the NBA Combine, attendee of the Summer League, statistician and broadcast assistant for the Utah Jazz, lover of basketball, college pro, the whole game, and someone with a unique perspective who watches more college basketball than just about anyone else to talk about these summer league guys and someone who's been around the jazz to talk about the jazz from the perspective of what I hear from broadcasters and just my observations as a lifelong jazz fan, especially as the jazz head to a juncture with a ton of talent. What can they do coming up? And that's what I'm going to tell you about today. Thanks for making Locked on Jazz your first listen every day. And remember, Locked on Jazz is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube at Locked on Jazz, where the best way to help us grow is to comment anything below. And today's question is, where would you rank the Jazz's young core in the NBA? And I'll give you kind of my rough outline of who I think uh, is ahead of the Jazz and who is in a similar uh, situation. And that's that's coming up straight ahead. But first, I want to talk about the title sponsor today. That's Prize Picks. I've used it before. Very much enjoyed, you know, you, you watch games and what makes it better than having some some action on it. You look at it and you say, man, this baseball player, I think he'll probably have more than five, five and a half strikeouts. And you and you intently follow the game or watch it if you're a baseball lover. It makes it all the more better. There's tons of sports. Prize Picks has it all. All right. In the first segment, I will define what I believe the Jazz's young core to be and what the timeline is for them and why I'm optimistic about the Jazz and the way the Jazz built their core. In the second segment, I'll rank the where I see the Jazz's core fit, fitting in against some of the other young, impressive cores in the NBA. And the more I thought about this, there's some really good young talent in the NBA. Like, that's teams that I don't think are ready to truly compete, but talent-wise are, are there. And in the final segment, I'll react to the Jazz's lost the Rockets in the Summer League finale, and tell you what takeaways I have that have any relevance for the jazz because the jazz didn't really put forth a great team, but let's del- let's dive right into this. The jazz is young core to me 
is more than just the rookies and the timeline is more expansive than just while the rookies entering are on their rookie contracts. Um, and I've mentioned this before in my opens. I've said this, that I, I think by the end of the rookie contract, I want Keontae George and Taylor Hendricks to play big factors. And that would be what I'd consider a success. And if they are that the jazz should be really good, but I don't think that's exactly perfectly honest of how the jazz can be contenders. Like it's unlikely a third year point guard in Keontae George, which I outlined is probably who they want to start at that point is going to be able to move a team from uh, a pretender to a contender. Like he'd have to be a really special player. I, I talked about Jamal Murray being a possibility. Well, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic had a lot of growing pains in the playoffs to get to where they are. Um, even when they were highly seated, they, they still had some preventable losses and struggles in the playoffs. Uh, so, you know, that's something that I think people are overestimating is that the Jazz need to win in, in this period. Well, the Jazz actually have a lot of draft picks. They've got a lot of trade uh, capital. They're doing well financially in terms of avoiding the tax apron, but being close enough to not get penalized for being too low either. And they have these young players to develop, and their best players are, are on the team already, have shown they're really good, and likely will be back uh, with the Jazz, and that's Lowry Mark and Walker Kessler. So the Jazz are hopefully contenders as opposed to pretenders by year three or four. But it's just hard to imagine that truly being the case, especially in a Western Conference that has a lot of talent. And I'll get to that later in the second segment. But I think the Jazz have elongated their window by having access to winning sooner and down the road. Like if they win sooner and make the playoffs, that, that may not allow them to have a top draft pick like this upcoming year. And, you know, sometimes you need as many chances as you can. Like a lot of these teams that I talk about with talent had a lot of bad years where they were taking a lot of really good players at the top of the draft. So maybe they miss that. But that also exposes their better players to getting better via experience in the playoffs. And that's really important, in my opinion. You see these teams that win. There's continuity and there's ex battle-tested, experienced teams that win. And obviously you need some talent as well. Uh, I think it's a luxury to have the chance to be ahead of schedule right now where the Jazz would, you'd think after losing Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert to being, and then now Mike Conley, Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, all these different players depart, Bogdan Bogdanovich, of course. And the Jazz still have a chance to be a good enough team to make the playoffs next year. And they have a chance to, if they don't play well, retain a draft pick if they're in the top 10 and further build their core. But that's, like there's not many teams that being in a kind of a purgatory of not being a true contender, nor a really bad team to build a true contender is actually beneficial for the jazz might be one of them. Now who figures into the Jazz's youthful core. And, and I think this is important to delineate because some people really think because the jazz got a lot of young players that all of them fit in. I don't think that's the case. Uh, Walker Kessler is the main one I want to talk about to start. I, I would say Lowry Markinen and John Collins count, but Lowry factors in, far more than Collins. And then I'd say Keontae George and then Agbaji and then Hendricks and then Sensabaugh. So I'll start in that order. And, and I'll, I'll preface this. I don't think Sexton or THT factor into this youthful quarry, despite both of them potentially playing big minutes and being young point guards. So Walker Kessler, Kessler has the capacity to be an all defense type of guy soon and for a while. And I project in the next four years, he'll have made one or two all defenses and will be a walking double, double much like his predecessor, Rudy Gobert, with a chance to be a better offensive player. He, he's further along sooner in his career and has a chance to emulate what Rudy Gobert did so well that helped him become a super max player. Uh, Kessler is an all-star caliber piece 
who is on a team-friendly rookie deal with three more years on it, loves the Jazz, and the Jazz love him. That's awesome. Then comes Lowry Markin, who is a fine NBA player who had seemingly lost his chance to be a top-two player uh, on any team, plays for Cleveland, playing out of position as the three, and now that finds his permanent home, becoming more athletic. He goes to the Finnish national team at Eurobasket, dominates, and he, he takes that mentality and comes into Utah and finds that he's a near all-NBA caliber player, scoring 26-8 and eight on unbelievable shooting splits, and Will Hardy brings out the best in Lowry Markin. He's also on a team-friendly. This is a second second deal like he's on his after rookie contract deal but it's team friendly the jazz likely will extend him and if they do that sooner rather later they won't have to worry about the free agency uh fiasco of overpaying i, I think larry marketing's in for a big payday but i think he's going to be retained and he'll be here for a long time and be a core foundational building block lowry figures to be a top 30 player in the nba and that's that's conservative considering he was an all-star and that's the top 24 players um, and I think that'll be for the next couple of years to come. And he puts the jazz in playoff contention by being an all-star caliber player, coupling with Walker Kessler, who I think can be that caliber of a player shortly as well. Uh, it puts the jazz in contention, both immediately as a playoff team and especially by the end of this contract. And then maybe the beginning of the next one. So then, then you get to Keontae George and John Collins. Uh, I would, I'm going to go with Keontae George as the next m- most important piece. Uh, I outlined in the short term, he may, may not produce enormously, but the goal is for him to emulate the career path of a guy like Jamal Murray or CJ McCollum, who were not huge contributors on fairly mediocre teams early in their career. And then by year three, they were big time contributors to winning basketball teams. George's team is better set up right now, the Jazz, than either the Nuggets or the Blazers were uh, for year three. And so I think that's really important for Keontae George. We've talked about him at nauseum considering how well he's played in the summer league and how he factors into the Jazz future. But that's the point guard of the future. Year three, Keontae George should be the starting point guard for the Utah Jazz. And he's got a chance to be really excellent. And I'll touch on this towards the end of the show, talking about summer league takeaways. Next is John Collins. He's a proven commodity who will have a new opportunity to compete. And he has years to add to what he's already done in the NBA, which is an impressive resume. At one point, he's a 22-point-per-game and 10-rebound-per-game player in the NBA. Not many players can say that. Is he that right now if on a team that intends to win? Probably not. But is he worthy of, of praise rather than this kind of like, oh, John Collins is overpaid noise that he gets? Yes, I think he's a valuable piece, maybe not as valuable as his price tag. But for what the Jazz got him for, it's a steal and a half. And he's someone that I think is more important to the Jazz as both immediate and down the road future than even a guy like Ochai Ogbaji. And Ogbaji was regarded as a third untouchable in, 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 by many Jazz fans. And I'm not sure about the front office, but it was it was marketing, it was Kessler, and then it was Ogbaji. And then much of the year, he didn't play in the, in the NBA. He was largely in the G League. And then at the end of the year, he showed he's a 3 and D archetype, like he was billed to be coming out of Kansas as a senior. Uh, I would temper expectations of like, oh, is he Danny Green? I'd say he's closer to Reggie Bullock. But Reggie Bullock's a 10-year NBA pro who's played on countless playoff teams. That's really good. Next up is Taylor Hendricks, who I made a case could return top 10 value and then would catapult uh, that, like then he'd probably be higher. If he's top 10 in his class, uh, that would probably put him higher than Ochai Baji. Uh, and that would be really awesome. That I mean, the more the merrier. Um, I think his impact will be minimal in the first couple of years, uh, especially the first year, unless Kelly Olynyk or injuries transpire. Uh, Kelly Olynyk gets traded or injuries happen. Uh, Hendricks figures to play a big role by year three, and that's what the Jazz need for him. 
and hopefully more so in year six should he still be with the Utah Jazz as the Jazz, like I said, have a long window to compete. Like, that's really important. In sum, the Jazz want to be ready in three years, but maybe the truest time frame in terms of when they can actually contend is three to six years as the Jazz would have good players extended, George and Hendricks ready to supplement Collins, Lowry, and Kessler, and who knows what else they'll get in the trades and drafts as the Jazz have legitimate assets. And this is, a, this is an interesting time. Like I've said, it's an interesting time in franchise history for the Utah Jazz. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it, to be honest with you. Coming up next, I'll rank for you guys how I see the Jazz young core fitting together and rank him against other impressive young cores. But first, a word from prize picks. So the prize picks promotion, there, there's been an interesting one that I recommend getting into. Every day of, of the playoffs, there was, there was a big promotion. And I know you some of you guys you know may have taken advantage. But even though the finals, the playoffs are over, there's still a way to make significant chunks of money on prize picks. I've used prize picks. Like I said, I used to spend my summer looking at my phone, be like, oh my gosh, does this guy have five strikeouts or is he going to get his six? Then I'd stress over it. And it was awesome. It's an exhilaration. Um, pick two to six players. And if they score more or less than their prize picks projections, you can win up to 25 times your money. It, it sounds crazy, but it's really feasible. And you can do it both with flex picks. You can do it with straight picks. And you can you can win up to 25 times your money, but sometimes it's five, sometimes it's 2.5 times your money, depending the the level of risk you put on your on your projections. Um, so you can win up to 25 times on any entry, no competing against people. It's just you versus the projections available. Download Prize Picks app or go to PrizePicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can win up to a hundred percent instant deposit match, uh, up to one hundred dollars. If you enter promo code locked on L O C K E D O N, if you deposit 100 prize picks, we'll give you 100 back. If you deposit 50 prize picks, we'll give you $50 back. And don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. This locked on podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found. Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Welcome back on to Locked On Jazz. And I'm going to rank the youthful cores I think are the best and compare them to what the jazz core is that I just outlined for you guys. Um, I would say the best core, in my estimation, is the New Orleans Pelicans. They have a guy who has not stayed healthy yet, but should he stay healthy, is one of the most forceful players in the NBA in Zion Williamson. They have an all-star that I think could be a perennial all-star type of player in Brandon Ingram. So that's two of those type of players. And then they have another guy that I think could be a third star, not quite an all-star, but like someone that is regarded as just an unbelievable player 
in the ilk that Mikel Bridges was regarded as an unbelievable player for the Suns. Then he went to a new team and he's become like a star. Uh, Trey Murphy is that guy for me. I think he's really, a really underrated player. One of my favorite players coming out of the draft a couple of years ago. And they have always kept a close eye on him. I think he's really close to reaching a level where people think, wow, that's an unbelievable commodity. He's on a rookie deal. Herb Jones was also a rookie in that year. And Herb Jones is one of the premier defenders that switchable defends and he's able to pass really well. Uh, the Pelicans have other players like Jordan Hawkins is a rookie from the lottery this year. Really good shooter. Um, obviously, they have CJ McCollum, but he's not part of the youthful core. I think the Pelicans are a team that people are sleeping on considering they underperformed this past year. But the year before, they gave the Suns all they could handle in the first round. And it took a Chris Paul masterpiece to to kind of push them aside. The, the Pelicans are the core that I think is the most impressive. Second place, I'm going to go with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, all-NBA type of player. Josh Giddy, potential all-star. Kaysen Wallace was just picked. Jalen Williams, we saw him absolutely dismantle the Jazz in Summer League. I think he's a guy who could crack an all-star at some point. Might be difficult. Chet Holmgren, he, he's, he was the original unicorn. Obviously, Wembenyama's drawing all the hype right now, and deservedly so. But Chet Holmgren is a special prospect as well new to the team, anchors them defensively, adds an element of dynamism offensively. Then they still have Lou Dort and the second Jalen Williams, this one from Arkansas, who I think really factor in to a very impressive core. And there's even more talent like Usman Jang could be really good. Trey Mann could be a very impressive player. So the Thunder have a really bright future, and I think they're going to start to put it together and start to compete this upcoming year. Number three, I've got a bit of a surprise for you guys because this team's already competing, but I'd still consider this a young core. The Memphis Grizzlies. The Memphis Grizzlies have John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., the defensive player of the year, and Desmond Bain, who just signed a $207 million contract. That talks about young players that have already been proven commodities in the NBA. All of these guys either have a max contract or have been all-stars. Um, that's really good. They also have other younger players that I think need to step up and occupy roles to make this team as good as they can possibly be. But I wanted to mention them as a young core because I think they're being overlooked. Next up for me is the Detroit Pistons. Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, Osar Thompson, and Jalen Duran. I think all of those picks in the, made within the past three years, I thought the Pistons were easily the winners of the last year's draft where they got Duran and Ivey at 5 and 13. Easily. And I think Cade Cunningham, because he missed time, people are forgetting how good he is. And I think Osar Thompson throughout the summer league has been unbelievable. One of the best rookies in the entire summer league. Uh, he may, I think he's got more guard skills and could play the point guard. Maybe not for this team, but he looks the part. He looks like he's going to really help them win. And I think Monty Williams is going to win the coach of the year this year, developing that youthful core. Now here's another team, the Pistons. And now the Rockets are two teams that have been very poor. They're both in the running for the number one pick this year, the Wembenyama sweepstakes. Didn't end up winning, but they got good players. Uh, the Rockets have Amon Thompson. He was picked uh, fourth overall, and he looked very good until spraining his ankle in the summer league debut. Jalen Green looks to take a step closer and, and ascend to become a better player. Cam Whitmore, uh, we'll talk about him in a little bit after the Jazz and the Rockets played each other, but Cam Whitmore fell to 20, was number five on my board. So maybe I'm a little bit biased, but he was one of the best rookies in the entire summer league. Uh, he factors into their equation. Jabari Smith Jr. was arguably, may, I would say, probably the best player in the entire summer league. He was averaging 36 a game before he was like, okay, you're too good to be playing here. Tari Eason 
was probably better than Jabari Smith last year. If we're being honest, if we're calling spade a spade, he was probably the better player between those two. And Alperin Shangun, it's not the dynamic athlete that some of those other guys are, but he's what makes it work. He's a he's kind of like the the light version of Jokic or Sabonis, and he's going to continue to improve. Here's another one that I think this core has already established themselves, but I think it's important to realize how good they are at a young age. Uh, Evan Mobley and Darius Garland. Both of those players are phenomenal. Both, I guess Mobley has not been an all-star yet. Garland was an all-star, but Mobley is the better prospect of the two. That speaks to how good they are. You could also kind of add Donovan Mitchell because he was in the same draft class as Lowry Markin and John Collins, who I counted in the Jazz's youthful core. Uh, But, you know, Donovan Mitchell and Jared Allen, I wouldn't quite count them, but Mobley and Garland are unbelievable. I would say the Magic have two players that are are very, very good already. Paolo Bancaro, the reigning rookie of the year, looks like he's a franchise-altering talent that, that he was perceived to be by me and many others. Franz Wagner looks like a very good Robin, someone who's very good at a lot of things. Then there's a lot of convoluted pieces for the Magic. It, is it Jalen Suggs? Is it Cole Anthony that has to go? But it looks like Anthony Black is the point guard of the future. Markel Fultz is no longer part of that youthful core, in my opinion. It looks like it's Anthony Black as the third third guy behind Paolo Bancaro, Franz Wagner, and then, of course, Wendell Carter Jr. is, is young as well, but not quite in the same youthful breadth of, of, of what I'm talking about here. And then I, the last team I'd have before the Jazz would be the Portland Trailblazers. They're further away because Damian Lillard likely goes, and then they, they still you know try to develop these players. But I think Scoot Henderson is a tremendous talent. I think Shaden Sharp is also a phenomenal talent, and Anthony Simons has already been the 20-a-game 20, 20 scorer in the NBA. So all these guys I think are better, better uh, assets to have than a guy like Tyler Hero, who's been a 20-a-game scorer for a team that made the NBA Finals. Uh, both with him on the team and th- this year without him, so that's where it comes. Like that—that's a—that's a lot of teams that I think have cores that I would consider better than the Jazz. And then there's a couple that I would say this is probably where the Jazz factor in. But I'd also consider the Indiana Pacers with Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Matherin, and a plethora of bigs that are super athletic that play around a guy like Tyrese Halliburton, who's, who's probably a better player than Lowry Markkinen, and he's younger. Uh, that, that's an interesting one. Uh, would would you count the Mavs as a youthful core? As Luca has already been a four time first team All NBA, but he's young. Uh, they have Jaden Hardy and Josh Green, guys. I'm really high on. Maybe Derek Lively ascends into this conversation as one of the better rookies. That would be a good core. I mean, you could consider the Hornets with Lamelo Ball and Brandon Miller, but I would take the Jazz over them. So those are the teams: the Jazz, the Pacers, the Mavericks. That are their factor into that conversation, but I would I would take confidently the Pelicans, the Thunder, the Grizzlies, the Pistons, the Rockets, the Cavaliers, the Magic, and a little less confidently, but still a little ahead of where the Jazz are, the Blazers. But that puts the Jazz in the upper echelon of talent with a, a time span. And the one difference you may have is the Jazz have more of a margin for error due to draft picks, uh, money, and they're being ahead of schedule for where they want to be right now meaning that they can win sooner with their young core and they have a, a more flexible way to, to win down the road. Yes, it's ideal to win in three years, but it's maybe more likely that the Jazz's best chance of winning is with, with between years four and six um, years down the road. And whereas some of these teams, I think, will end up having to consolidate and lose some of their talent because they've got to cater to some other ones. The Jazz have less of that issue because their contracts that they're going to extend 
uh, Lowry Martin or, or Walker Kessler. I think those seem like that they will happen and they will happen, but without so much, you know, drama, whereas some of these teams really have a decision who they're going to prioritize and that'll make their, their chances of winning um, slimmer in a shorter span. You know, Keontae George has accelerated the Jazz's timeline if he can be who we think he can be from the summer league. But that's what we're going to talk about next. We're going to talk about the Jazz have a chance to really contend, but what takeaways actually matter from the summer league? Let me wrap up what the Jazz did against the Rockets, but the entire summer league as a whole. But first, let me tell you about Murdoch Chevy. Murdoch Chevy has been in Utah for over 80 years. I say this every time. Chevy is as American as it gets. Like if I think of an old Western movie and then some truck, comes rolling on in, I guarantee it's a Chevy. Chevy's the one truck that's synonymous with America. It, there's locations in Utah, in Woods Cross, and in Logan, and the Chevy, Murdoch Chevy, features so many great trucks. They, they have the Colorado, the Silverado, and many more, and the website's got the latest deals, all the details, and it's it's up kept up to date, so check that out. You can talk to the people and learn what's in inventory and make sure you get the best best prices best deals, everything possible. And the amazing lineup of SUVs are also on tap at Murdoch Chevy with the Tahoe, the Suburban, the Blazer, the Equinox, the Trax. Make sure to check them out yourself in the showrooms in Woods Cross and in Logan. Murdoch Chevy, the best there is. Welcome back into Locked On Jazz. Leaf Tulane still with you here for the final segment. And the Jazz lost for the first time in Las Vegas, and that ends the summer league run. That was encouraging. That's the first takeaway. The Jazz lost to the Rockets, and much of the dialogue is like, man, should they have taken Whitmore over Hendricks? And to be honest with you, and for those of you who've listened to me, I had Whitmore number five on my big board. I think there was even a time where I had him number four, and I, I think he's an unbelievable player. I, I really do. So him falling, I knew it was medical or personal and not basketball talent. So, yes, watching him play – uh, and play well all summer league, becoming one of the best rookies in the summer league while Taylor Hendricks was nursing a hamstring injury, probably made you think, oh, Hendri- uh, Whitmore is the better player. But that's not really fair to Taylor Hendricks, who did not play. But but it's unsurprising. It's not surprising whatsoever that Whit- Whitmore stood out positively as he had a chip on his shoulder falling from probably a 4-5 pick all the way down to 20. Uh, yeah, you bet that type of guy who thrives in a situation where athleticism is super prevalent with him being one of the better athletes in this draft class, was going to have a good draft, a good showing after the draft, all that fiasco in his mind, he's going to ball out. And that's what he did. I thought he and Keontae George may have been the best rookies who played enough to qualify as really good rookies. Like some of the better ones got pulled or injured. Uh, The Jazz did not play Agbaji. They did not play George. They didn't play Hendricks or, or hardly anyone of note in this game. So I don't have much to take away from this game in general. But I do have an, uh, some takeaways from the experience as a whole, both from the Salt Lake Summer League and for the Las Vegas Summer League. Uh, the first point, and this one's pretty obvious, Keontae George is really talented. And he should be the starting point guard for the Jazz by year three, if not sooner. He has a serious upside and is becoming a floor general already. Like the, the, We wanted to see, that was my main thing I wanted to see, was can Keontae George play point guard? He answered that question of the intent of playing point guard in the first half. Didn't look like he was playing basketball. Started playing better in the second half, scored uh, 13 points in the second half of the first game in Salt Lake City. Had a good first half the second day in Salt Lake City. And then you know what happened in Las Vegas where he absolutely torched the Nets and was scoring nearly 30 a game through the two games in in Las Vegas. 
before injuring his ankle. The good thing is he looks like he didn't injure it horribly. It's just precautionary considering he sprained that ankle at Baylor. Uh, second point that matters. Ochag Baji looks very good uh, in terms of he's in really good shape. He looks leaner, even more muscular, and he thrived as a two guard. But I also learned that he can't play the one. The Jazz may try to employ a, some lineups that are very much positionless, and there's not a point guard. It's just rip it and uh, rip the court and run and have players bring the ball up the floor who you wouldn't describe as traditional ball handlers. That could be what happens this year at the Jazz. But you, the, like that means Ogbaje could bring the ball up, but that does not make it likely, in my opinion, that they'll you'll see a, like second units with Ochagbaji being the primary ball handler. He did not look like he could play that at that level. However, you learned he can thrive as the two guard, and he looks like he is um, a very good catch and shoot shooter in this setting, and he finished the year uh, shooting well. Sub point for Ogbaje would be I think he could become a really good guard rebounder. He was phenomenal in the glass in the summer league. Uh, third point, the Jazz may have found something in Luka Samanich. Uh, he's a big-bodied, fluid athlete who shot well with the ball in his hands as a catch-and-shoot guy and as someone who brought the ball up occasionally, speaking of positionless basketball. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see him play actual minutes for the Jazz. He may play more than you'd think. Fourth, don't rule out Hendricks for being from being good, considering he didn't play, and Sensabaugh too, for that matter. Like it's easy to be disappointed you didn't see these players, but that doesn't mean that they don't have a chance to play. And the Jazz are like protecting them from your view because they don't think they'll be good. I think it's it's the Jazz didn't want to have them go in cold after this team's been playing a lot together, and they don't even get practice time. So now you have to play a game setting when when people are ramping up, and you already saw some injuries. Uh, I think that people are being a little bit too negative on that I've seen on Twitter regarding both Bryce Sensible and Taylor Hendricks. Fifth, I do not think that Johnny Juzang or Joey Hauser are NBA players, and they occupy two of the three two-way contracts. Uh, Juzang actually shot sensationally, but I just don't think either of them are good enough athletes to be on the floor defensively, and I think Juzang shot very well from three, but his bread is buttered by from the mid-range. That's how he played in college. That's how he played in high school. And there's, there's not that usage, so he'd have to be a sensational three-point shooter with movement Felt like it was mostly catch and shoot in the summer league level. So I don't see him sticking as an NBA player. And Joey Hauser is a very good shooter from the college ranks. Uh, didn't impress me much in person watching the summer league. And sixth and final point, the, the summer league gives a chance for guys to pop. And despite injuring himself, George popped as a rookie. And that's hard to do. And it's a real important thing to note because while the games largely mean nothing individually, there were eight rookies who impressed me in this summer league that popped. And those were Wen Benyama, Scoot Henderson, Amon Thompson, Osar Thompson, Brandon Miller, Keontae George, and Anthony Black. Like that. And then, and then if you're in that class and in that company, I would say Cam Whitmore, he didn't pop, but he was close. He was on the cusp of popping, considering he was consistently productive, but he didn't quite have that like flash of, oh my gosh, like no one else can do that. His was more, I'm gonna bully to the rim and score. But if you're in that company, that means you got a chance to be really good. Like the summer league doesn't mean that you're going to be great, but if you pop as a rookie, that likely means you've got a real chance to contribute early, often, and down the future be a really good player. Whereas if you pop later, I, I read less into it. So Keontae George popped undeniably and looks like he's got a seriously high potential for the Jazz. Well, that'll do it for me, and I'll be back with you tomorrow on Locked on Jazz. So for the everydayers, look forward to some more fun ideas I'm tinkering with. Haven't quite decided what, 
what it's going to be, but I have a few ideas for this week as the final week with you guys. So thanks for always making Locked On Jazz your first listen. And with your second, check out Locked On NBA Big Board with Richard Stamen and Rafael Barlow, who will be wrapping up Summer League as they've been in Las Vegas all along. Well, Jazz didn't win at all, but they showed an encouraging showing in Las Vegas. And you know what I'm going to say here. As always, go Jazz. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.